Hello, friends, and welcome to a fresh episode of the Resilient Leaders Podcast, where resilience and leadership is not simply a good idea. In this reality that we are in, it is absolutely required. I'm J.R. Briggs, founder of Kairos Partnerships, a team of leaders that are committed to helping leaders just like you overcome your unique leadership challenges that you face each and every week. This is one of the ways in which we equip you each and every week with an episode of this podcast. Now, you may have heard the oft-repeated story of Winston Churchill's mother, whose name is Jeannie Jerome. Now, Ms. Jerome dined with both rival British Prime Ministers, William Gladstone and Benjamin Disraeli, a week before the election. She was asked later what those two experiences were like with Gladstone and Disraeli. And she said this, when I dined with Mr. Gladstone, I felt as though I, that he was the smartest man in England. But when I dined with Mr. Disraeli, I felt as though I was the smartest woman in England. Now, you've heard the question before, who's the smartest person in the room? And one of the things that I share with the leaders that we work with and our coaching that we offer to leaders is if you're always the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. See, we can't always be the smartest person in the room. It keeps us humble and it keeps us hungry. Leaders are ones who proactively and intentionally should seek out other rooms where they are not the smartest person in the room. Why? Doesn't being the smartest person in the room make you sound like an expert or make you feel good or allow you to command the room and get things done? Maybe. But you do that in enough rooms, and you will never be growing, learning, or improving. You'll get soft, and it'll go to your head. In fact, I know of a well-known church leader who, after 40 years of ministry, massive international ministry, had a tremendous fall from grace, and it was all over the news. I asked someone who worked with him at his church what happened. How could he be so full of himself? How could he not see his own blind spots that led to his demise? And they said something that stuck with me. They said, this leader was always the smartest person in every single room they walked into. Wow. In all this conversation about not being the smartest person in the room, Raven Ishak, in an article that was sent to me by a family member, he asks and attempts to answer a very important question. So if we're talking about making sure we're not the smartest person in the room, or we should identify the smartest person in the room, Ishak asks the question, so how do we assess who in fact is the smartest person in the room? It's a great question. And what I appreciate is Ishak giving 13 principles or traits that you see in someone who might be the smartest person in the room. And I want to share those with you here today on this podcast. Let me go through those 13. How do you assess who's the smartest person in the room? Raven Ishak said, number one, they gather information before making a judgment. They don't make a snap decision. Number two, they are comfortable and confident enough to admit when they don't know something, but will research it to find out the answer. I love this principle, and it actually reminds me of something Tom Peters said that sounds counterintuitive, but actually rings true. He said, make I don't know a strategic part of your leadership. Make I don't know 
a strategic part of your leadership. He said, uncertainty is here to stay and acknowledging it is a show of strength. I love that. Number three, people who say no often in the interest of their goals. We often think, well, just say yes to every opportunity. Nope. Oftentimes, the smartest person in a room is those that say no in the interest of their goals. Number four, they have a large toolbox. Not only do they draw from that toolbox, but they also help others by pulling things out of their toolbox and sharing those tools with them. Number five, they tend to read often, not only one thing, but several things or have some experience doing many different things. When I read this, I said, amen and amen. Not only do you read in your lane, but the importance of reading outside of your lane so that you can connect the dots. You can cross-pollinate across many different fields and areas and sectors. Number six, they remember small details about things and people and are able to use that information in a productive way. When I read that, I thought, yeah, people that remember small details about things and people, they're good listeners. And they remember well as a way, a, a way of caring and also connecting more dots. They don't just collect the dots, they connect the dots. Number seven, they ask substantial questions because they're actually listening to you instead of just waiting for their turn to speak. Amen and amen. I've often said that the best leaders are those that ask the best questions of themselves, of God, of life, and of other people. And so asking substantial questions and listening to other people. Number eight, They admit when they're wrong. Number nine, they don't argue when it's obvious that someone they are talking to cannot be convinced of a different viewpoint than their own. I love that. Number 10, they ask interesting questions and are not afraid to look like a beginner. They aren't just asking questions for information. They don't mind looking like a beginner. It reminds me of Peter Drucker, the late great organizational leadership guru who asked what his job was. And he responded by saying, I get paid to ask dumb questions. I love that. He was secure enough in himself to ask really dumb questions. Now, they're not really dumb, of course. Some of those quote-unquote dumb questions were things like, so, so why does this organization exist in the first place? Why, why did you all start this to begin with? And people often think, well, that's obvious. Well, is it? Let's talk about it. How far away are we from now from that original reason why this company was started? So number 10, they ask interesting questions and are not afraid to look like a beginner. Number 11, they understand that in social situations, one needs to weigh in the feelings and perspectives of different people involved rather than give a black and white reasoning or response. In other words, they're collaborative. They often ask others, what do you think? They don't just depend upon themselves. A former president of the United States infamously said, I am my best consultant. We need to make sure that we are the kinds of people that seek out other people, because if we always think we're the smartest person in the room, that's going to be our demise. Number 12, they'll add counterpoints or arguments against whatever they're saying. Most, most ignorant people I know always speak like their opinions are established facts that are infallible. And when their conclusions are challenged, they happily expose their thought process, laying their decision-making process out in plain terms 
inviting others to pick it apart. I love this. They're self-differentiated, as Edwin Friedman says. They say, this is what I'm thinking, but here's how I would have an argument against that perspective. I really like that. Number 13, they pick up quickly on things and are observant of their surroundings. We've talked in the past about this on the podcast, the importance of leaders having good situational awareness and emotional intelligence. I love these. I'm so grateful for Ishak writing these. Now, leader, think about the rooms, both physical and digital, that you're in. Think about the rooms, physical and digital, you'll be in this week. What's your mindset? Do you think that you're always the smartest person in that room? If so, you either need to change your room, change the people in the room, or change your mindset, or maybe all of the above. Even if you are the smartest person in the room, you must change your mindset to believe that there are others in there who are experts in something. The truth is that everyone is an expert in something, even if it's small, niche, or seemingly insignificant. We are all experts in some field or another. So leaders, instill these practices. Be humble and hungry. That's why we conclude every episode saying that we must be faithful, available, teachable, and hungry. Because without those, you have no shot at being resilient. And as I say as well, being a resilient leader isn't a good idea. It's not some buzzword that we've come that's come into our vernacular because of the pandemic. It's a reality. It's a truth. It's a law of leadership because without it, we're sunk. And if we always think that we're the smartest person that walks in every room, we're either in the wrong room, have the wrong people, or the wrong mindset. Well, thanks for being with me today. This podcast is produced by the always humble and ever forward Joel Limbowen, who's the founder of On a Limb Productions, a production company that produces videos and podcasts like this one for leaders all around the country. If you're interested in knowing more, you can visit his website, onalimproductions.com to learn more. Leaders, as always, as I say at the end of each episode, seek to be faithful, available, teachable, and hungry. Keep leaning in and learning. And remember, if you always believe you're the smartest person in the room, you're either in the wrong room, have the wrong people, or the wrong mindset, or all the above. Have a great week.